0: This is Upload Media. Podcast hosts.
1: Oh my god! On your favorite podcast. Oh my
0: god! If you othered. didn't know, uh, it's othered, and I'm Caleb,
1: and I'm Sarah, and here we are. Here we are. Yay! <laughs> we're back. Another unhinged episode of our show.
0: Apparently, <laughs> Um, the energy in this room is kind of unhinged. It's definitely not what it was last week. I'll be honest. No, but I think it's because both Sarah and I are painfully sober. Is what we were just saying painfully. to each other. I'm not in pain. But I'm like, you know, raw dogging this day. Me too.
1: It is like. We love a good raw dog.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I am like not having smoked. I have had like. How long? When's the last time you smoked? Seven cups of coffee. Oh. I am feeling some kind of way. Like my brain is on fire.
1: Ooh. You know,
0: like Like it's kind of itching. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, like the boss. I don't know.
1: I'm on fire.
0: Oh right, <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, Jeez, okay, <laughs> that
1: was like a highlight of one of our episodes. It was. Everything. It was a.
0: It was a wonderful moment. It was a. It was iconic.
1: It was okay. I gotta spit my gum out. Oh. I guess I'll okay. just put it right here for wow. now. Wow,
0: you are so professional.
1: Well, I forgot. Eh, okay. I thought. I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Okay. Okay. I just forgot. <laughs>
0: Sarah, tell me about your day.
1: Um. Oh man. I don't know. It's been a boring day. What's wrong really with boring? Nothing. I'm just. I just don't have anything exciting to report. Is mm. all. It's just another day.
0: It's another day in Sarah's life. Mm-hmm. Meow meow meow.
1: Now that makes me want to be like Mary Tyler Moore walking down the street. Yeah. And then I throw my hat. She's gonna make it after all. That's me. <laughs> and I, I, love that I spin energy. around. Yeah. And I smile.
0: I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to embody that experience, to like choose that energy, you yeah. know?
1: Main character shit. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um,. My birthday is next week. <gasps>
0: oh my god, another year older.
1: Another year. We will
0: be the same age for like a couple two months. months.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just a moment in time.
0: Yeah. And like two ships passing in the night.
1: We are. <laughs> <laughs> I love your metaphors. Thank
0: you. Yeah. I feel very poetic today.
1: You are a poet. <gasps> as you were exposing your chest hair and rubbing your nipples before the show I have show no started. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird, because I saw it with my very own eyes.
0: Maybe I did that. Sorry.
1: <laughs> um, I'm not wearing a bra today.
0: Yeah, I can see your nipples. Okay.
1: Well, I was just... <laughs> I normally don't, because... I don't need to. And I don't care if my nipples show. Right. But I said that because I was going to say that when I went to my place of um, periodic employment today, the HR mm-hmm. director also pointed out the same thing. That she was aware I wasn't wearing a bra. Mm. So she could probably see my nipples too. It just reminded me Do you think that's what you. she was saying? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know the point she was making.
0: She was saying, I can see your nipples.
1: She was like, yeah, since you're not wearing a bra today. And yeah, I I felt like she said that because she could see my nipples. Oh, she most
0: definitely said that because of that.
1: Okay. Well, is there something wrong with the way I present to the world? I think your nipples are beautiful. Thanks. Me too. (laughs) Thanks for noticing. (laughs)
0: if you don't know Sarah has very gorgeous boobs they're perfect they are perfect in every way yeah I mean it might be my favorite thing about Sarah
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks I'm joking
0: obviously but yeah no I think your titties are great thanks me too
1: they're one of my favorite things about myself I love everything about me.
0: Okay, yes, absolutely, 100%. And this just made me think about this book that we're reading, because we have a book club, and if you're not a part of it, I'm sorry, you're not cool enough.
1: Bad bitches <laughs> be rated!
0: <clears throat> right, and we're reading this book called Pleasure Activism, and it is like all about pleasure. And I think it's, like the things that are standing out to me right now in this moment where we're talking about this conversation is this dialogue that happens in the book about knowing your body and appreciating your body and loving mm-hmm. your body, and it also makes me think of Jessamine Stanley and how mm. much in love she is with her own body. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And it is like very feminist and it's very like um, black feminist literature and like movement. And it's all based in that stuff. But I'm like, I'm I'm also getting a lot out of it as a white cisgendered (laughs) gay male. Um, I just am like eating it up. I am like loving this black feminist conversation. I'm like very into it.
1: I think black women are so amazing and fascinating. Yeah. And I really love when our experiences and our perspectives are centered.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, you guys have so many important things to say. Mm-hmm. Your, your perspective is so important. Yeah. Um, and centering your voice mm-hmm. is so enlightening. Yeah. You in ways that like, you know, I just could never know. You don't know if you if you don't know. Right. Right. Well,
1: I feel like that when I read um, books about uh, the LGBTQIA plus community. Sure. Because I'm always like, oh, my God, I read this book called Memorial and it was written by a gay black man Mm. and it was written about a gay black man and his Hispanic partner. Mm. And they talked a lot about sex. They talked about the dynamics of conversation intimacy um and just like being in the same space yeah in that book and i was i felt i always have these karen moments where i'm like oh my god that's what the gays are up to but like <laughs>
0: I, I, you're clutching your pearls yeah, like oh I'm my like, god oh my goodness. how scandalous
1: scandalous <laughs> but i'm always like wow you're exactly right like you just don't know what you don't know and i think so often we are subconsciously focused on a very narrow perspective Mm. of very specific people. Yeah. There's, there's just so much more out there than just the cis hetero white male, uh, perspective.
0: Right. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if I get off topic or whatever, bring me back. But the kind of the experience that I've been having is, um, you know, I think we're all kind of very into our experience as humans, yep. right, in our own society. But it's very limited. Mm-hmm. Like our perspective is from a very like it's from one point of view, right, right. But if we're all looking at the same thing, you know, this human human existence, our our lives, um, all of that, how we interact, how we grow up, you know in you know, all of those facets of what it is to be human. And we're all kind of placed in different, I don't know, points of view. That we're all looking at the same thing, but we all have a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think it really does inform, uh, make life more three-dimensional. You know, that you're not just looking at something in one, from one, I don't know, does that make sense? one angle. Yeah, from one angle, thank you, yeah. yeah that we're kind of circled around this one thing, and I don't know, it just, it feels like, you know, when I hear things uh, from your perspective, or when I hear things from Adrienne Marie Brown's perspective, or from Jonathan Van Ness, or Karamo, whoever, you know, is like a prominent, you know, othered... Thought leader. Thought leader. I... I see more of myself and can see more of my experience in life being shown to me from a different perspective, mm-hmm. and I definitely feel like it it makes my life fuller mm-hmm. and more rounder and deeper mm-hmm. and we love it deep girthier. Ooh, you know? like there's just like more like <laughs> weight to it. There's you more know? to hold on to, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I
1: agree. I love learning about people and about their experiences. And I, I don't know what made me think about, um, I was thinking about how I love so many people that are different than me and about Mm. how much value that has added to my life. And I'm like, how can people, because there are people that will never love people different, right? Like, there are some people will never change. Mm. Um, There are people that are never going to seek out a gay friend. There are people that are never going to make friends with people outside of their socioeconomic background or their racial background or Mm. whatever. So it's like, how can we show those people, like, what they're missing without them, you know, like, how can we bring it to them in a way Mm. that they'll get... um, instead of i don't know uh, encouraging or expecting them to branch out cuz some people never will and maybe we're just not ever going to reach those people but i'm very aware of the fact that every time i make a friend with a different view or who is different than me that my world gets bigger mm. and it's kind of addicting to me yeah i'm very aware of the ways my thoughts are limited or narrow sure. and i hate being that person mm. i love growing and i love changing and valuing other people and other people's perspectives. Yeah,
0: I think, okay, so I've been, I was thinking about this actually in the shower um, of this social, like global social network, you know, that like I think for a lot of human history, we've been very uh, relegated to, you know, our own tribes, our own like social um, bubbles, Mm -hmm. you know, and with the rise of (laughs) Um, the internet and uh, a global market, and all these different things that, like, we were starting to have a lot more cultural um, interaction mm-hmm. with each other, right? And that happened too through immigration and all sorts of different kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I can even remember, like, in middle school hearing that America's a melting pot of cultures, and hoo-hoo. and it is, you know, in so many ways. Um, but I think. <sighs> What I see happening is one culture feeling like it's, you know, in danger of of being annihilated by incorporating or even having any kind of integration with other cultures, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's this, uh, um, I don't know, resistance to um, understanding or um, seeing things from other people's perspectives because there's the fear of annihilation or the fear of... Uh, losing that cultural identity, and what I see as kind of like a lubricant with that friction that happens at that clash is like an openness and a willingness to understand, like the empathy that we talk about so much in our in our episodes, mm-hmm. and how that kind of pr- creates a softness and a um, a smoothness, a lubricant for that friction to be so not so um burny. <laughs> You know, not so burning, not so um, chafy, not so red hot. Ouch! You know, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. That makes what you're saying. I feel like that feels very out here, like outside of my
1: body. Is the lubricant that we all need? Yeah, yeah. I I get it. It was a very sexually like heavy metaphor but this I do pleasure
0: activism is getting to me I could t-
1: <laughs> we're gonna have to read a different kind of book next time
0: it needs to be a little bit more dry you know it like can't a be historical so
1: fiction novel or something <laughs> like that yeah right. I I agree um I was even talking and we probably talked about this last time but I don't remember uh, so I'm gonna bring it up again but when I was in therapy I was explaining to my therapist, that um we were reading that book Mm. and I was telling we were talking about drugs (laughs) because if you listen to our last episode (laughs) you know I love drugs but I love how in pleasure activism she talks about how drugs can bring pleasure Mm. I am someone Mm -hmm. that I just get a lot of satisfaction from substances Mm. and I feel like you did too from alcohol Well, I don't know if it was pleasure I guess I shouldn't say that but you had that's complicated. Expe- yes, you you definitely experienced something that made you want to continue using alcohol. Yeah. Um. And I'm kind. Of, I'm like that with substances too. Mm. So I don't really remember where I was going with this because drugs probably. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think I don't know. Pleasure can be defined so differently yeah. for so many people, and learning to like have a safe place around pleasure and around these things how can we like make these experiences safe mm. that was not the point i was making but yeah. it's totally lost upon me where i was going with that
0: It's okay maybe it'll come back to you
1: it might i got distracted. because i think i
0: can talk a little bit about that you know experience of of pleasure and of um what that you know gave to me and i think <clears throat> you know to speak about it from an honest perspective can be hard Um, Because it's vulnerable, right? And I think if I'm real about it, I felt like there was a lot that I had wrong in me, that I was broken or that I had a fatal flaw, you know, or that like I couldn't connect with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is related to, you know, this topic or this, um, diatribe that I went on right before, um is that I felt so isolated and I felt so alone and alcohol made it easier. It gave me some kind of lubricant or some kind of courage to engage and to connect. Whereas without it, I felt completely blocked. I felt like there was a gap that I couldn't bridge. And um, for me, so that substance became something pleasurable because it gave me, um, access. It gave me um, an experience without uh, fear of being othered, mm-hmm. you know, of being isolated, of being shamed or rejected, you know. And uh, what I'm finding, and this is something that I hear a lot in recovery circles, is that you know the option, the opposite of addiction, isn't sobriety so much as it is connection, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's <coughs> Hmm. that is something that I I, kind of toss around in my mind a little bit. I kind of like fidget with it and look at it and put it away sometimes and then come back to it because it just feels really true that for me, I've had to learn how to connect with my life and with the society at large and with others without the use of substance, you know, that I felt like, the way that I was looking at my life, or the way that I was looking at myself, was not correct. That I because and I would continue to isolate myself because of that, and so I used that substance to bridge that isolation, to bridge that gap between myself and others. So I don't know. Like I think that substances can be pleasurable, right? And I it was pleasurable for me for a while until it wasn't, and I can't speak to other you know substances because i don't really use those um very often but um i don't know that's kind of where i'm at with that
1: well that makes sense i think addiction is really isolating i watched uh this weekend i had a kid free night and i watched um Oh my god what is that show intervention
0: oh god it's so <laughs> addicting i know and yeah. it's horrible and it's I'm like, so hard to watch why
1: am i watching this mm. but it's really addicting and it is when you get i feel like addiction truly is like isolation physically but also mentally you're just mm-hmm. so alone in whatever you're going and yeah going through experiencing and i like how You just said the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but it is connection.
0: Mm.
1: Because connection I think would save so many people. Like that's that's always the missing piece. Like you Mm -hmm. feel a disconnect, whether it's from yourself or a community or family Mm -hmm. or happiness Mm -hmm. or whatever. That seems to be the driving force behind Mm -hmm. addiction.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's bolstered too by, you know, this research that shows that addiction issues are higher amongst people of marginalized communities. You know, that addiction is high in the LGBTQ um, community. Alcoholism is high. Like the reports of the statistics are just, you know, graver, you know, for us. And, uh, I think when we can start to bridge that gap socially, you know, in a better way, instead of, you know, making (laughs) LGBTQ people out to be, you know, predators and all this stuff, it's just like, it just further, you know, widens the gap between who we are and the beautiful things about us and, you know, this horrible, um, disgusting, um, you know, propaganda that's coming from you know the Christian right and it's it's hard you know we want socially to feel like we're a part of of everything you know because we exist you know and so why isolate us and villainize us and other us you know Mm -hmm. we're just the same
1: Um, we had an experience a couple weeks ago me and you us we you and I yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who else I don't know would I be is talking to? <laughs> I don't know. I know. It's a surprise. <laughs> um, and we met with someone and we were having a talk and that person did not speak to me at all. Yeah. And you noticed, I noticed, and we were, t- when we were talking about it afterwards, you were like, well, it's because I am a, a gay man and that person happened to be a gay man too. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm. But I can speak to that. I want to be included. And mm. it also makes me think of our conversation with Kat that we had a couple weeks ago where we were talking about or I had told her my experience while dating someone and how I often feel as a very opinionated um outspoken black woman that Mm -hmm. people are intimidated or maybe don't include me in conversations or experiences because they don't really want to center whatever I have to say Mm. or they feel intimidated somehow, which has nothing really to do with me. That's on them. Yeah. But I think you're right. I feel like it's the fear of the unknown for people. And if you're unsure about what something or someone will say or do or the repercussion that that person or their opinion or even their presence will cause then there's like an inherent need to disclude them
0: mm. mm-hmm. and
1: I really hate that yeah because it shows up in sometimes not even huge ways you know not mm. even ways that if you weren't paying attention you wouldn't notice but really small like stupid petty subtle ways yeah, yeah.
0: right and I think like I it's the it's the combination and the build up of all those subtle things that like turn out to be these like big, awful evil things, yeah, you know of exclusion and um you know separateness and otherness and um the way that we racially profile people and all these different things you mm-hmm. know it's like it starts with the small, subtle things to me mm-hmm. you know it's the small Same. things that really build up to for i don't know to become all these big social evils mm-hmm. so
1: yeah i try and explain that to people too um when they're like when's the last time you experienced racism and i'm like look no one's threatening to lynch me on the street corner no right but there's this one cashier at hy V, she never speaks to me And I, it's not like I'm, I'm not looking for reasons to think people are racist. I Mm. do assume positive intent with every person upon every interaction until you prove me differently. Mm. But I go to Hy-Vee like four times a week. So I'm there a lot and she will speak to people in front of me and then she'll speak to people who are after me and checking out, but she will never speak to me. And I'm always like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. But it's those, yeah, it's those small things. And I'm like, I experienced racism in those instances. Mm -hmm. Or during the 2020 election, I live on the northeast side of town with a lot of white people. Mm. And so people started getting really comfortable, like waving their little Confederate flags and putting the weird bumper stickers on. And it just got scary over there for me. Yeah. Um, And during that time, like when I would go to the gas station, people stopped holding doors. Like, I feel like most people, if I am immediately after them, they will hold a door. They will, Mm. you know, like acknowledge me in some way. But that stopped. And I'm like, it's these things.
0: It's the small, subtle things. Yes, the small, subtle
1: things that unless you're paying attention or aware, you might not notice or someone might pass off as trivial. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just not to me and to a lot of other people, but probably the same for you. Just like weird comments that people make very minuscule behaviors that Mm -hmm. could be interpreted as many different things, but to someone who knows what bigotry is or homophobia is, you know what it means.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's like, there's like a scale of Mm -hmm. like rejection that you can feel, you know, because of the ways that you're different. Yeah. You know that like the way that the room kind of shifts when, you know, I get maybe a little bit more extra, maybe a little bit more flamboyant or effeminate mm-hmm. when I respond to something and there's like that side eye. Yeah. You know, that I get. Like the energy just like shifts that mm-hmm. like, oh, I outed myself as somebody who's just very <laughs> gay. Gay, you know, <laughs> it reminds me I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but this lady I was hanging out with one time in a group of friends told me that I could pass for straight as long as I never opened my mouth or responded physically to anything that anybody said, I you know. You and it was that. just like okay, you know, so it just made me really self-conscious, you know, of the way that I speak and the way that um I physically respond to people. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it definitely set me on this course of like kind of researching what gay voice is and, um, you know, how to tone down my physical or my facial expressions, you know, Why? things like that. Because I was like, I don't know, because I guess the goal was to pass, you know. Fuck that. I, exactly. And I think that's part of it is that like I don't want to. It was fear. It's based in fear, right, of being othered, of being isolated, of being rejected because of who I am. Um, you know, and I can even remember like being in the church, you know, um, growing up that I had to feel like I had to, I don't know, act a certain way or butch it up, you know, in order for people to, um, treat me more kindly. Like a normal human
1: with decency. Yeah.
0: Cause there's, you know. Socially, people will come up to you and be like, oh, my gosh, hey, how's it going? Like, I don't know you, blah, 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 blah. And then the moment you're like, oh, my God, hi, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, God, I don't want to talk to that person. That person's gay as fuck, you know, like person doesn't belong here, Yeah. you know, and it's, you get othered, yeah. you know, you get isolated, you get pushed away, you're, you're not one of us, you're mm-hmm. not part of us, you're not, you're different. Mm-hmm. I remember
1: one time at work, um, my role was a quality manager. So I managed the quality of the products we made. Um, And I had to have a conversation with my management team that I was a part of about something they were doing. But it was directed at everyone. Um, I know I can be a bitch. I wasn't. I had a very nice tone, probably similar to the one I'm using now. Mm. And I said, I'm really disappointed because, and then I told him why I was disappointed, and the quality of whatever they were doing. And someone, he was a white man, took me aside afterwards and was like, hey, next time, um, I probably wouldn't say that to the group, because when you said that you were disappointed, they all you know, felt like you were really pissed. And I was like, I'm disappointed. Like, you guys are fucking up whatever you're doing. And I have the right to tell you that, but because I'm a black Mm. woman, I can't even express my disappointment with a product. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like a behavior. It was a thing without you guys attacking me Mm. for being angry. (laughs) And I wasn't angry. I was disappointed. I didn't say, Mm -hmm. guys, I'm really angry. I said, guys, I'm really disappointed. I'm not quite sure why this is happening. Right. And they were all like, Sarah's pissed and I'm oh, like the
0: angry black lady. Yeah, the angry
1: black woman. Wow. And I'm like that's weird because I can show you what an angry black woman looks like, <laughs> but this isn't it. Right. And I just remember like that was the day that I was like yes, you will always be labeled as this person. Mm. Um it doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you say it with a smile, it doesn't matter if you're yelling. Like you will not win this particular battle like you will always be seen as an angry person when you're correcting behavior and unfortunately sure. that was all my role was mm. was to ask people to change things right because uh, it didn't meet whatever to standard. meet the standard yes quality not because i was an angry woman but because i'm looking at a piece of paper i'm judging a thing against mm. words on a paper not judging a person mm-hmm. against artistry i'm looking at a thing i'm making sure we're compliant yeah and it's kind of a losing battle um, when you are put right up against the stereotype, you know, like yeah. that people want to use to define you.
0: I think this like ventures into this concept of like respectability.
1: Oh, I hate respectability. Right. Politics. But that's the conversation we're having. Yeah.
0: Right. Is that like you have to play by the rules as a person who is othered, you know, and I think that women have to do this. uh, People of color have to do this. Gay people have to do this all the time. Is be respectable, be a a, a well spoken, um, passing person. You know.
1: Can I tell you the um, definition of respectability politics? Please. Yeah. It's a political strategy wherein members. Oh my goodness, members of a marginalized community will consciously abandon and or punish controversial aspects of their cultural political identity as a method of assimilating, mm-hmm. achieving social mobility, and gaining the respect of the majority culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it is often pejorative, Yeah. typically used in a manner critical of the ideology. Um, it was first coined by historian Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham. In 1993, it emphasizes reform of individual behavior and attitudes, both as a goal in itself and a strategy for reform of the entire structural system of American race relations. Yeah. One of the biggest examples of respectability politics that I see like in black culture is especially like I'm thinking about men who sag their pants like there Mm. was a lot when that was like really a thing and it still is in some cultures, but there's a lot of push against an older generation to the younger generation Mm -hmm. that those behaviors are reflecting poorly upon all of us as a whole. Right. Um, just because of the decision of a few and how impactful that decision or that, yeah, the decision to embody that behavior, um, how impactful that is on the people that, aren't embodying that behavior. And mm-hmm. yes, oftentimes that behavior is a stereotype. It's not like a, a real threat. It's an idea that the people in power think mm-hmm. and then push onto everyone in that group.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's trash.
0: I just, yeah, I can remember the, like the first couple of years of getting onto Twitter and starting to follow more, uh, activists. Um, on black Twitter and the kinds of conversations that were coming up were conversations that I had, you know, no cultural context for Mm -hmm. uh, to begin with. And the more that I started to read and the more I started to listen was like hearing more about respectability and how shitty that is. Mm -hmm. Um, That there's this expectation to play by the rules and to, um, basically emulate and assimilate to dominant white culture Mm -hmm. and a a dominant, you know, patriarchal white heteronormative culture in order to have any kind of political momentum or yeah. Yeah. Upward momentum or upward movement or whatever it is. And it's just like, uh,
1: but the sad thing is, is that it worked, mm, you know, like mm -hmm. there were moments in time in our nation's history where respectability politics served a purpose unfortunately Mm -hmm. or it did serve to increase um political power or social um stance i guess in different groups Mm -hmm. it's it's really complicated and i feel like i there was an episode of code switch that i listened to that talked about respectability Mm -hmm. politics it was a long time ago but they kind of talked about that too how um, it always seems to come from like the older generations, mm-hmm. um, the ones who, you know, experienced the most prejudice yeah. in their time. Um, looking at these younger generations. Oh, the being loudest
0: like, prejudice. Yes. Yeah.
1: yep, And asking them to change because they remember the time when we couldn't do this or that. Mm-hmm. And um, they think it's reflecting poorly upon everyone. And as a woman, I Mm. think about women who are free with their sexuality or um, dress however they want to and don't care about what other people think Mm -hmm. and about how there are women who think that that reflects poorly upon all women as a gender. And it's like we should all be free to express ourselves in whatever form we use.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, it is like this big macro, like, you know, term mm-hmm. right but it, i think it affects you know everybody on in a marginalized community in a small way mm-hmm. you know that we're all trying to or being held to this expectation of being respectable mm-hmm. but respectable to who yeah you know instead of just operating within uh, and being ourself you know with our own cultural background or whatever and experiencing and expressing that we have to assimilate to whiteness it kind of reminds supremacy.
1: me of pleasure activism, yeah. how like we're forsaking our pleasure in pursuit mm-hmm. of this really weird, fake, um, cis hetero white norm. Yeah. Um, that for approval. Yeah. By, for approval. Yeah. And how, when you embrace your own joy and pleasure, mm-hmm. it actually moves the needle further and yeah. being respectable mm-hmm. ever will.
0: Right. And it, I guess in some way it kind of brings up that idea of not seeing color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no, it's bypassing, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so that conversation can be so important to have, like when people say, "Oh, I don't see color." It's like, "Bitch, yes, you. You do. should.
1: <laughs> you yeah, should. If you don't, something's wrong right, with you." Right. And we
0: should, but like the thing is, like we should celebrate it. Yeah. You know, instead of like treating it as something that we can't touch or seeing, you know, racism and all its issues, like. Yes, there is like there are cultural differences, but those are beautiful things, you know? And like you shouldn't I don't know, isolate people uh, who are different than you, you know? Like Agreed.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> I saw this really thought-provoking um post by someone I follow on Instagram. Her name is Diane not Diane Diane Bondi. She's a yoga teacher in Canada, but she posted this th- question and it said How does anti-blackness rear its ugly head from your liberal, woke, and progressive white friends? Mm. What's the new and improved coded language or dog whistle of modern day? But it made me think, because I started reading the responses, and I was like, wow, these (laughs) these are really like covert racism tactics that I don't always think of. But what do you think, Caleb, are some modern day... Things you experience from your woke, progressive, inclusive, uh, you know, like advocate. Sure. Friends, because I feel I know that sometimes when I'm not like actually paying really close attention, I'm sure I'm offensive. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, maybe not to you, but maybe to you, too. But I also want to be sure that I'm not. So like what are ways that your progressive friends fuck up?
0: Mm.
1: Is it by like one of the things they pointed out here was using the term people of color because it's so close to colored people? Yeah. And, like, why can't we just call them black? Why can't we just call them Asians? Yeah. Why can't we just say natives?
0: The blacks.
1: Yeah. Just <laughs> just say it. Right. They are. Yeah. But like, because it's almost erasing the black experience to coin sure. everyone as a mm-hmm. person of color. So like what what's similar for you? Mm.
0: Like, how does that show up in my life?
1: Yeah, in, like, the LGBTQIA plus culture. Um,
0: I don't know. That's tough. I haven't thought about that. Um, I I, I guess it's one of those things that I feel more than I, you know, can just point out Mm -hmm. when it happens. It's like, um, it's, yeah, when things are coded, you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about, but you're not saying it. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think, you know, probably the LGBTQ issue of the day right now is trans issues, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, um, I don't know, when people, like, get weird about gender, you know, mm. they're like, well. So people uh, that say
1: they're, like, inclusive or they stand up for LGBTQ right. or LGB rights, right. but maybe not the T rights. Right, excluding
0: the T rights, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's tough. I'm gonna have to digest that one a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting question too, because mm. I do have some friends. Like I have a really good friend, my best friend, who, s- you know, says. Excuse me. Want to? You know what? You say. <laughs> I don't even want to get into your how best many friend times who's not I right here. i heard you reference your, your best friend who is not me. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. I even heard it this morning, okay. and I cringed. <sighs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like a little stab. Hurt my heart. Okay, sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. Just another man who's disappointed me. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying about my best friend, who's not Caleb. <laughs> oh god. Just kidding. Um, she thinks she's an inclusive person, but and I've told you this and I've talked about it here. She was like, I don't understand why we, why if I call a trans person by the wrong pronoun, they get all mad. bitch (laughs) you can't be an inclusive ally or accept you know the lgbtqia plus community and then make this huge deal about Mm. uh, misgendering someone like just fucking call them by the gender they've chosen or use a gender neutral pronoun and then Mm -hmm. she was like well i don't understand why i have to be gender neutral just fucking do it right why do we have to change it's okay (sighs) the world changes that's like, how we progress.
0: Why are you so Do afraid you of change period? Do you still want to be a
1: period? slave? She's like, oh, that's not the same. It, it absolutely is the same. Mm. It is the same. Mm-hmm. But and, yeah.
0: And I think too, taking um, a opportunity to question why you're holding so deeply onto that kind of dominant culture, um, cultural perspective. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is? Why are you so attached to gender? You know, like why?
1: Because it's, I think it goes back to that respectability yeah. and trying to assimilate and mm-hmm. be as close to whiteness as you can. Yeah. And we're just, it's so ingrained in our behaviors. Mm. And it used to be a safety thing, but it's like, we really need to get past that.
0: Right. Our activism is getting weak if we're trying to approach whiteness. Right. You know? That's like, not ew, activism. grow up disgusting. Ew. Ew, what? Uh, Should we take a break? Let's do it. I need a break. Okay. We'll be back. (laughs) Okay. I swear. don't know. We just like had so many moments that the listeners will never hear. Hopefully,
1: <laughs> don't ever let them hear Logan. <laughs>
0: the best content has been happening while we were on break. It it uh, always does. So honestly, if you want the best content, you really should just subscribe to the um, podcast network upload, and you know potentially at some future date we'll release some of this um, content.
1: I was thinking a good old OnlyFans
0: that too, or you can just be best friends with Sarah and I and. Um, I'll tell you all the the shit we will we'll spill the tea is this what the book club is actually for yes 100% yeah right and it's only for the cool kids so Um, if you email us and you want to be a part of it then you can just be a part of it
1: yeah or follow our Instagram because we post about it there (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) oh speaking of I don't have access to that anymore so you should well
1: what happened I I haven't changed anything deleted Instagram
0: And then I don't remember the password. I'm sorry. Anyway, that is unimportant. What is important is the conversation we were having.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, Logan encouraged us to post more nudes.
0: Yeah. So the plan is (laughs) is to have a calendar of Sarah and I and potentially the guests that we have on on our uh, podcast to be in a boudoir photo shoot calendar extravaganza. So if you're into that, you should let us know. Please don't get me canceled. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Logan, you're going to be in this calendar. Okay, which month do I get? Um,
1: I I have March
0: because that's my birth month. Mine's October. Okay, perfect.
1: Mine's October, too.
0: (gasps) Oh, well, Uh dibs.
1: But I, I get Christmas. Okay. Because I have a Santa (laughs) in mind. mind. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to take that from me.
0: Oh, Lord. Heaven help us all. Get
1: ready, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what.
0: Um, okay. Anyway, <laughs>
1: anyway, back to our discussion on race
0: Oh, yes. uh, and
1: bigotry, right? And homophobia,
0: transphobia,
1: transphobia.
0: Love a good hard transition. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it was there was so no subtle. smooth way to get there. No,
0: it was just a hard pivot.
1: <laughs> pivot. We like him hard too. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking this should become like a sex podcast.
0: Honestly, yes. I'm into it. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I was uh I've been following a bunch of people on social media. I've been kind of doing like a follow purge, Mm, but like mm -hmm. not a purge. What's the opposite of a purge? Binge. Binge. Pinge. Thank (laughs) you. I've been on a following binge where I'm just like finding all sorts of like sex therapists and dating coaches and people who talk about race and people who um, are in the yoga conversation and inclusivity and blah, 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 blah. And I've just been like, follow, 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 follow. And now my social media algorithm is like fuck. it's like i don't know what's going on anymore and so like the reels that i see are just like completely unhinged Ooh. so it's been great
1: um can i share something that i did this has nothing to do with anything we've talked about this far
0: this is the space for that and this i is meant, a safe space thank
1: you i meant to bring this up last week but apparently i was too high to like <laughs> throw it in there so in listening to cat cat cantrell matchmaker dating coach
0: who Kitty I'm cat? just kidding. Okay,
1: kitty cat. Kitty cat. I don't know if she likes that, but I like it for her. So okay. love you, cat. Um, I have been really doing some reflection and mm. thinking like how I can do better. I've been looking back at people I've dated and wondered, were you the cause of that to myself? And there, there's one person. Hope. Hopefully, he does not come anywhere close to this podcast. (laughs) But um, there was this one person that I dated. We went on one date. We had a great date. I felt like he was nice and funny, and I laughed, and it was all good in the hood. And my little traumatized fucking self-sabotaging ass Mm. self-sabotaged the shit out of that. I um, After our date... We were going to watch a movie, and he was like, oh, I don't like scary movies. And I was like, red flag. He's a little scared bitch. He's a bitch. She's a pussy. I can't have a man who's a pussy. Ugh. Oh, my God. That sounds so gross. Heaven forbid. And then there was like something else about him. Like, I think I wanted to hem his pants by like an inch and a half. Oh, they were just like
0: about his pants. They were just a little too long. Red flag. Red
1: flag. And so I. Wow was like, well, this is never going (laughs) to (laughs) work.
0: Damn, Sarah, that's savage. I
1: know. And, you know, now, this was two years ago. Looking back, I know this was because I was right in the middle of a very negative situationship Mm. that did not turn out well for me. You
0: were in a place. I was in a place. Yeah. And
1: I was, I feel like that's what I do. When Mm. things go well or someone shows interest and things are normal and stable And boring because they're stable. I'm Mm. like, oh my God, confusion. And then I ruin it. Yeah. So I actually recently reached out to this man and apologized for um, that behavior.
0: Mm. One thing. Okay. And I think this has been instrumental in my life. Okay. In this, in transforming my life, uh, has been having grace for myself. Yeah. In my past, her place Mm -hmm. and the place where i felt like you know i was definitely chaotic i was deep in my addiction i um was coming out of uh you know grieving a relationship that i had ended um all sorts of different things and i you know made choices that i would not make today right but i have to have grace and compassion for myself because i was in a place you know and you know i moved through that place Mm -hmm. and learned um, hopefully, you know some lessons, but I have to look back and be a little kinder to myself um and not to make excuses for what I did or for the choices that I made, um but to come to a place of like of just i don't know being compassionate toward mm-hmm. myself because I feel like I try to do that for other people, yeah, you know, but to do that for myself is so hard, yeah, and that's been the work that I've been doing recently is like just forgiving myself. What's that about?
1: I know. Ew. How dare you forgive yourself? I know. I for don't deserve forgiveness better.
0: from myself. <laughs> no, if they're not, if nobody else is going to hold it against me, then I ought to, you I know, I think
1: like I do forgive myself for not being the best person, but mm. it's also about accountability for me. Sure. And so I was trying to actually like create accountability going forward as well. Mm. Like here's, Here's how it made you feel to realize you behaved this way and then mm. have to apologize for your behavior because this isn't actually the person I want to be. Yeah. And now we're gonna take that lesson and go forth into life and mm. not make those same decisions again. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I wondered why you fell off the face of the earth. Mm. Um, you I ghosted like, him. I yes, I ghosted him, mm. Caleb. I don't know why you had to use the G word.
0: Ghosted. <sighs> Sorry." <sighs> I'm just trying to stay up on the lingo. Well, that's you know? what I
1: did. I ghosted him, and it was mm. not okay. That's, He's not the only person I've done that to. I've done that a lot. But he was the only person who I, when I was looking <clears throat> back, I was like, here's someone that could have mm. been exactly what you were looking for, I right. could have provided these things, and you were a little bitch, and mm. made you shit up in, in your, place, your head. You were in a place, though. I know.
0: I think the apology is warranted, you know? Yeah. Like, in... So many recovery spaces, The uh, there's this concept of making amends, yeah, right? And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And I kind of wish um, a lot of people went through, you know, the kind of the 12 steps, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I think that they're kind of a beautiful thing to, like, you know, live, I don't know, uh, in a free way, in a liberated way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's this concept, too, in those spaces that talks about... Um, treating other people not as, you know, I guess that's a way of looking at people, that they're sick emotionally, right? And, like, you don't look at somebody who, you know, has cancer and you don't, you know, hold them to some kind of wild standard of, you know, of health and being better and all this stuff. It's like they have cancer. They're sick. Mm -hmm. Like, we should have compassion for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in some degree we're all kind of, sick yeah. you know emotionally or spiritually or whatever whatever you want to say um and i think that there's uh, this empathy that comes from you know having grace for people mm-hmm. and for wherever they they're at and uh, this is something this is a topic of in this book that i'm reading um that's about zen buddhism um that has to do with being more compassionate to the world around you mm-hmm. um and not Letting your ego get in the way of that compassion. Yeah, and I think that's really where it comes down to for me is like this egotistical life. Yeah, you know, and learning how to set that aside so I can have compassion for people who aren't like me, for people who are in a different place, for people who you know are "quote unquote" spiritually or emotionally sick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're all in this together.
1: We yeah? are. This reminds me of a song. I'd love it if you'd pull it up, Logan, and play it before we end. Is that
0: a high school musical? No. Oh, okay.
1: It's called The Heart of the Matter by Don Henley. <laughs> Do you know I that song? I love Don
0: Henley. <laughs> I don't know that one off the top of my head. Okay,
1: well, it's a really good song, and I like it, and it just talks about how he thinks it's all about... The heart of the matter is forgiveness, ben. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's a really hard word. It's a know. really hard experience. It
1: is. <sighs> But I think, you know, I am super compassionate for others. I don't always have that same compassion for myself. Mm. But I think I want to, in always trying to pursue the best version of me, I'm like, mm. what would I want from, if if I was treated this way, what would I need? And it's like, sometimes I feel like I want an apology, but sometimes it doesn't matter. But I want to be the person that apologizes. Mm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I really want to be the person that accepts accountability for my actions. Because it doesn't always matter whether Mm. I think I did something. Um, Intent is not impact. Very different things. Yes. So Mm -hmm. if I've impacted you in a way that's hurtful, I need to know. Sure. So I can look at what my intention was. Sometimes I've meant to hurt your feelings. Mm. Not very often, though. And oftentimes I have no idea that what I did was hurtful. Sure. But then I do want to take accountability for what I've done. Yeah. And um, one of the hardest things is, too, in parenting is learning to apologize to my kids. Wow. It's not wow. as hard for me because it is very conscious. Um, but when I do something or when I yell or when I act away or have a bad day, mm. being like, hey guys, I'm sorry that mom screamed at the top of her lungs and threw herself on the bed and cried, which I don't do that, but apologizing for whatever I've done because yeah. it hurt my kids' feelings or made them feel away. And then they're like, oh. Well moms know better than me. She makes mistakes. She apologizes. Um, she accepts accountability. It's a practice, yeah, and that's something that in times of having to be really kind to myself and give myself compassion and grace, I have let slide. not always. But there mm. are times when I didn't have the ability to create accountability yeah. because of things that were going on mentally um, or emotionally. Well, it's really uncomfortable it is. and it it feels ick. But it doesn't actually. Mm. And I think that's the place I'm getting to where I'm like the more you practice probably it's probably like with letter writing in mm. 12 steps. Yeah. Uh, like the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah. But if you never do it, it's never I mean, it's always going to be like, Ugh, but but yeah.
0: it's making friends with the uncomfortable. Yes. Or being comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. You know, like sitting in that space. And this happens even in yoga. And this yeah. is like a yoga, um, you know, principle or precept you know it's like getting into an asana finding your edge and then sitting there
1: there. and just because you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're gonna die doesn't mean you're in pain we've talked about that before yeah
0: you don't go past your edge but Mm -hmm. you go to your edge where it's uncomfortable yeah and then you breathe yeah you know and you just exist there Mm -hmm. and i think that there's some there's a transformation that happens Mm -hmm. you know um and it's where we're uncomfortable where we need the most work. Mm-hmm. Right. The poses that we hate is the are the ones that we need to do the most of. Yep. And that definitely happens in in our culture, in our society. You know, when we are faced with these conversations about race or transphobia or homophobia or anything, you know, and, and it's uncomfortable to talk about, that's where we need to be having the conversations. That's yep. where we need to go get ourselves uncomfortable. Yep. and breathe and sit yep. and enter into those spaces with empathy and with kindness and um, a willingness to connect. Mm-hmm. You know, because that connection is really what heals so much of you know the, the disparity and the evils that we experience in society or as individuals. It's, connection is really so important. And I think for me, connection has become spiritual. You know, and I, I i guess in some way the way that I was thinking about it the other day was very much related to Avatar and like Awa and like or even like mycelium, you know, in, in the ground. Like there's this web, you know, of um, fungi that exist and we need to be more connected like that. We need mm-hmm. to be more and understand our connection to each other um, in order to heal, in order to function better. Yeah. Because when we function away and apart and separate and isolated from is where shit gets fucked up. Yep. And that's, we need to resist that. We need to resist the isolation. We need to resist the disconnection. When we notice a disconnection, find ways of reconnecting.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, that was beautifully said. Oh, my (sighs) gosh.
0: Uh, It's hard. It's hard as
1: fuck. It is hard. But you're right. That's what heals Mm-hmm. you can't heal in isolation mm-hmm. nothing no, happens we need there. each other yeah
0: we do we really do like i need my friendship with you i need my connection to you and and i need that my connection with logan and with everybody else who lives in this city you know like and to think of myself as somebody who exists outside of the realm of um i don't know what is that uh consequences mm. you know that like everything that I do has a consequence and everybody and, and everything that everybody else does has a consequence every action of, has a reaction right and that like I can't say that my life is completely different and isolated from everybody else you know mm-hmm. that like uh, there's the concept of like a, a droplet in the ocean you know that like, creates this ripple effect that it like it changes everything mm-hmm. you know and no man is an island you know yeah. you don't operate solo yeah I mean you do sort of but you live in community Mm -hmm. and so if you're withdrawn or if you're hyper engaged like it's all connected Mm -hmm. is really what I'm trying to say and you can't escape that truth so
1: deep shit yeah I like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: so connect
0: connect find a way of even offering the olive branch Mm -hmm. you know of bridging the gap that people perceive yeah because it's not real yeah that that gap it does 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 not exist no and i think a true smile even can go a long way to bridge a gap Mm -hmm. you know or i don't know just an act of kindness like holding the door open for a person or whatever you know you don't realize how big these little small actions are but they are so big they carry a lot of weight In terms of feeling connected and feeling grounded in a society. Mm -hmm. We need to look out for each other. We need to care about each other. And the small ways matter.
1: Mm -hmm. They really do.
0: Yeah. Be open. Be willing to making that connection.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think you said that so perfectly. I don't have anything to add to that particular thing. (sighs) It's so true. Here we go. Here's Don. Uh. So the first verse doesn't really apply, but it's the chorus for hmm. me. It's a song about a breakup, just like every other song it seems on the planet.
0: Well, yeah, relationships are so important.
1: Yeah. Do you know what song this is now?
0: No, I might know it Didn't at
1: the. Here. It gonna...
0: Oh, it's like the karaoke. Knew it. Version. Oh, there's, good. There's we can Sing along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on the, the phone. phone she said you, said you found, found someone no not moving on
0: <laughs> oh no i can't do that
1: <laughs> look at his face
0: Ugh. Zaddy.
1: how i lost me and you, you lost, lost you, you. That's so deep oh
0: on God. the december calendar with sarah can we photoshop don be in there then yes As the santa yes
1: <laughs> no if i get a real lap to sit on logan is this it I'm learning to live without you now.
0: Ugh.
1: But I miss you sometimes.
0: The song's going to make me cry. I
1: know. The more I know, the less I understand. Tell him, Dawn. I'm learning again. Here we go. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter. But my will gets weak. And my thoughts seem scattered, but I think it's about forgiveness. Ooh. Ooh. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Even if, even if you don't love me anymore.
0: I do know this song.
1: Isn't it good? Oh my
0: God, it's so good. I
1: love this song. Oh. <sighs> but yeah, the heart of the matter is always about forgiveness. And it doesn't even matter if that person loves you or cares about the thing. Like, Right. It's... Forgiveness
0: is for you Yeah Yeah
1: Yes And I think The thing I've learned About like most of that stuff Whether you're like Asking someone for help Or asking someone for forgiveness Is nine times out of ten They're gonna do it Yeah It's like your own shit That holds you back Mm -hmm. Yeah That vulnerability piece The heart of the matter Wow Yeah
0: We're having like A big heart moment Right now Are
1: you open Are you opening Your heart (laughs) chakra Yes
0: (laughs) I'm in love
1: With me Don Henley Well
0: yeah With Don With Logan With this oh. life right now With this room With this podcast With our listeners Like I'm just like ah! So many feelings
1: So many <laughs> I just love this song so much And India Ari covered it too
0: Ugh.
1: Um, So it's like doubly good I love covers I do too But I really like this version
0: <laughs> Well yeah
1: Yeah the words are impactful See he's learning again Ugh. Look at him go. I just hope everyone, like, adds this to their, um, libraries.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm definitely adding this to my sex playlist, so.
1: Ew. If we were having sex and this came on, I would be like, what the fuck is this?
0: It wouldn't be a tender moment. (laughs)
1: Not in the way you'd hoped, probably. <laughs> like, this reminds me of my ex. <laughs> but I just, I love these lyrics.
0: Yeah, no, they're so good.
1: And it, I think it's like, yeah, it could be romantically, but it, it could also be just about the general relationship that yeah. you share with the world and life and experiences and mm-hmm. your friends. It's all connected. It is all connected. Yeah. Just like mushrooms that I love. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, I feel like this conversation isn't going anywhere else productive.
0: Yeah, I feel like my my brain has a lot of tingly things happening right now. So. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot to digest and process from this conversation and I'm into it and that's yeah. kind of that's why I like to show up here. You know, that's <laughs> what too. I'm here for. That's
1: why I show up every week.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, uh listeners, I'm so glad that you had this experience <laughs> with us today. <and>
1: <laughs> Me too. I hope, you know what? I'm going to challenge everyone this week to Ask for forgiveness. Mm. Apologize to somebody. And it doesn't even have to be like, sorry that I ghosted you. It could just Mm. be like, sorry that I, you know, like said this thing that might be hurtful. Right. Or sorry that I like didn't hold the door for Mm -hmm. you. And I want everyone to.
0: Forgive themselves.
1: Yeah. Forgive yourself. But also like ask for help. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Open the door
0: to connection. Yeah. Open the
1: door for someone. Literally and figuratively. Open the fucking door.
0: Open the door. Knock, knock. Yeah. It's Jesus. (laughs) He wants into your heart. (laughs) But, you know. Whoa. You know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, open up. Ask. Forgive. The heart of the matter is forgiveness.
0: Even if. It's connection. Even if. You don't don't love me anymore. anymore. Right. Okay. Well, um, (laughs) that's what we do here at Othered. We're getting to the heart of the matter.
1: (laughs) Even if. Even if. (laughs) 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 Um, And also, I would really like you to go review and rate our podcast. Yeah.
0: And do you know what? Don't hesitate about DMing us. Yeah. That's what our Instagram is for.
1: Slide in our DMs. Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Peace.